0: Welcome to episode two of our podcast series, Live from the Expo Floor. In this episode, we are going to discuss ways of improving your assessment skills. I'm really excited to have Dr. Scott Gilmore as our guest here today on this topic. Dr. Gilmore is the medical director of the St. Louis Fire Department. Doc, thrilled to have you. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. appreciate it. So, Doc, assessment is everything, but are we doing a good job with it?
1: The vast majority of the time, I would say we're doing a good job, uh, but like with everything, there's always places where we can improve, so yeah, <laughs> you know how it goes. I do, I do. And you know, it's not just something for EMS, it's something that I see with nurses, with physicians, so it's not just unique to us.
0: And I was going to say that, I mean, your your position as Medical Director of St. Louis obviously is a huge responsibility, and, and you have uh, the responsibility of overseeing a, a huge department. And so there's ways that and there, there's certain things that you want to see that may be different than others. But you know, on the whole, what what are some of the tricks of the trade for assessment? Some of the things that you may feel that we're overlooking or we're we're, we're not utilizing on a daily basis as we you know meet up with our patients.
1: Right. I mean, the biggest thing is just listen to your patient. Okay. Uh, I had a very wise physician that trained me, and before that, I had a very wise paramedic that trained me as a paramedic and an EMT. And constantly they were saying, hey, you know what? Be quiet. Listen, the patient's trying to tell you what's going on. Sure. And they're like, they're, they're doing your job for you. You just can't shut them off.
0: Exactly. And sometimes I feel like as um, as practitioners, we're, we're there and we're too focused on the tough book or we're too focused on the family and we're too focused on getting that history. And I think that lends itself to what you say, would you just listen to the patient? Yeah. I mean, because you can make you can make. I would argue, you can make a fantastic assessment from the doorway just by looking
1: at the patient. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously. I mean, if they're not moving around or anything, you know, okay, I gotta, I gotta
0: get busy here pretty quick. And that's it. I mean, you, you look at tripod and you look at color. I mean, color is everything. And we, you know, we always say, you know, sick versus unsick. That's what it is. You mm-hmm. know, ultimately, that's what we're looking for. Can you tell me is this patient sick or are they unsick? And and I think, you know, overlooking that from the basic perspective does a great disservice, not only to the patient, but to the provider.
1: Oh, yeah, most definitely. And like I said, as you mentioned, sick, not sick, that's, you know, something that you just have to develop over time. And hopefully, you know, you've had other partners that have been working with you to help pick up on the subtle nuances that they picked up on. And you know, that's partially where experience comes in also. But it all goes back to the fundamentals, though of, you know, when you do your assessment, make sure you do your assessment the same way every time. Right. You know, don't get
0: sloppy. Right. And I think that there is that sort of way of leaning on your partner a bit, right? Mm -hmm. Because just because this is your patient and it's his or her chart doesn't mean that they should not be involved in that patient care. I mean, that drives me nuts as well as an administrator, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, well, that it's my chart. What what does that even mean? It's amazing the number of times that
1: an EMT has come to me and said, hey, doc, I want to tell you about what this paramedic did. And it's like, no, tell me. And so then you have to, you know, you sit down, you chat with everybody, and it's like even in your EMT partner can pick up on things if you're a paramedic. Sure. You still need to respect their skill set. And especially if it's someone who's been doing this for a while, who has developed that skill of picking up on those subtle little clues, it's like, it, it, I mean, it's a blessing to have one of those partners.
0: Absolutely. And, and actually, the, the podcast and our podcast, one of this series, we had Carl Flores from New Orleans who said the exact same thing that, you know, just because they're an EMT basic doesn't mean that they're not a skilled clinician with experience that can tell you that this patient is sick, Mm -hmm. you know, and and, and that's what I think we sometimes get away from our egos get above us a little bit. And you know, we start thinking, well, we're the higher medical authority. Well, again, at the end of the day, it's about the patient and we need to work together.
1: Oh, yeah, it's always about the patient. And we can't forget that at all.
0: So tell me a little bit about the assessment skills that you look for specifically or what you think are the best ways to approach a patient when you come into a room.
1: Well, obviously, you know, like you said, the from the doorway diagnosis or impression. I'm sorry, I'll say diagnosis. I know. Oh, my goodness. It's I just okay. committed blasphemy. It's here.
0: okay. It's okay. We won't hold you. We will not hold it against you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like you said, from the doorway, you're looking at the social situation, you're looking at the patient themselves, and you get that broad overview before you start tunneling in just on the patient themselves because if we go straight to the patient themselves, we're gonna forget all this other stuff and there might be important clues sitting out in the environment or the living situation, et cetera.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So survey the scene, really, is what it yeah. comes down to, and that's what we've always said. Yeah. But sometimes, like you say, we tunnel in. We go right to the patient, right up in their face and everything else, which is what we want to do. We want to get down on their level, and we want to talk to them, but you don't want to pass up the opportunity to see some of the things that are around you.
1: Right. And what really makes that difficult is when you have, like, first responders on the scene who get all worked up, and they're like, come on, come on, come on, and they're trying to drag you into that patient right away.
0: You still have to take your time and still do your nice overview of everything. It's a great point that you bring up because I think it gets overlooked a lot. And that is the influences of others on the scene. And I, I will tell you, I know it happens everywhere in the country. You have other responders such as firefighters, law enforcement, and everything else who, like you say, they get overexcited by things that just don't overexcite us. And they're trying to pull you in and they're trying to pull you in. And it's almost like a bullying situation. (laughs) Like you need to get in here. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to stand back and say, hey, time out, right? Because there's that intimidation factor, right? When a cop is telling you got to get in here, you got to get in here for you to say, hey, I can't do that right now, right? Mm -hmm. That that doesn't always sit well.
1: well. You know, we have a running joke that's the, as you know, the EMS Olympics, where you got the person out on the curb that's doing it. whatever to get your attention, and and, and it's, it's it's very difficult. You know, the other thing that I found kind of like that ties in with this is not only do you start at the door, but that's part of a methodical assessment process that you use, okay. and, you know, we're all taught a true assessment or the right assessment, and for the most part, yes, it is a very good thing. But people then start to refine their skills. How's that for a way of describing that? Yeah,
0: their own way.
1: Uh-huh. And you know, people forget that, yes, there's a reason why we have to assess all these body systems. Because if you don't, based off of the complaint, you know, based off of listening to that patient, then you're going to miss something. Right. And you know, I had a case here not too long ago. It was very interesting. It was a BLS unit that was running in the city and the first responders came on scene they saw that the guy had altered mental status it's an area that has a lot of drug use so they automatically went to this was an overdose so they gave him some naloxone and you know the person started to come around but we forget that also naloxone used to be used to raise people's blood pressure Mm -hmm. when he got to the hospital the assistant medical director of the fire department was on duty working in the trauma center Mm -hmm. He did his exam, and they found the bullet hole in his back.
0: Aye, aye, aye. Yeah,
1: so, I mean, that's that's why I said, you know, just like you mentioned, you have the first responders going, come on, come on, come on, get in here, yep. and develop that tunnel vision,
0: and it, it gets you every time. Yeah, I, I feel first of all that is like the nightmare that's that's always the nightmare trauma story where you go in and you say well how many how many gsws two yeah well would you miss this one right and that's just like you feel like wah, wah, wah. it's just a terrible feeling mm-hmm. when you do that but again when you say be methodical you really need to slow the situation down oh yeah right i mean people always ask and this has always kind of driven me a little bit crazy and i don't know how you feel about it but why are they not running why are they not running into that scene why are they not doing that because number 1 that that's not safe for no. us to do number 2 that gets your endorphins going 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 right. and then you start to lose focus yes you know and so from my perspective no, we're not going to run. We're going to take everything in. Mm-hmm. It's not going to make a difference in the patient care. I promise you. Right. But that's being methodical. It's definitely slow and methodical. Yeah, slow and methodical. Doc, what about you know? We, we have so many different uh, adjuncts and tools and equipment that we can use now, and and you know, people often refer to medics. Oh, you're you're a monitor medic or whatever else, mm-hmm. right? So. Talk to me a little bit about the cardiac monitor. Do we sometimes uh, rely a little bit too heavily on that rather than looking a little deeper? Oh,
1: definitely, definitely. I can't tell you the number of times where I go back and I review charts, or I'm on scene with somebody, and you know I look over at the monitor and, and something's not right on the monitor. Right. And you know the crew always says, most of the time they say, "Oh, doc, you don't understand. It's it's the equipment. This always does this." <laughs> And it's like, whoa, stop, stop, stop. It's it's not our job to troubleshoot the equipment. It's our job to make sure we're troubleshooting the patient that's attached to the equipment to make sure it's the patient who's not having an issue and it's the monitor or whatever device is having the issue.
0: So talk specifically about that. What are some of these situations that we get so focused in on that monitor, whereas we are not actually treating that patient, we're treating the monitor?
1: Oh, so, you know, one example that I can give you right off the top of my head is you know, poor skin prep. When somebody does a 12 lead or even an EKG, you know, they, they attach the leads and all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's nah, just a bunch of squiggly lines. I'm going to hit override or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's nothing. <laughs> but then they get to the hospital and they finally do a 12 lead with the, the right, right skin, the right way, the right way. And it's like, oh, look at that stimmy that was hiding uh, in your squiggly lines. Yeah, right. But that's where they get lulled into a false sense of security when it's like, ah oh, the equipment's always this way instead of taking the time to do things the right way.
0: What about those that just rely on the interpretation as it comes as it prints out to you? That I never understood either. Listen, you, you got to be your own person. Yeah. Yeah. That that
1: one's always difficult. That <laughs> one's always difficult because unfortunately, depending upon how long you've been a medic Mm -hmm. you have different skills with 12 leads you know the newer medics it's great because yeah they had the monitors and yes you got 12 leads beat into you right but then i have some of my older street medics And I was in that category where it's like I went through medic class and, you know, we didn't have a 12 lead. It was the Life Pack 10 and, oh, yeah, we could move around the leads and maybe try to get another view. You can finagle some things. Right. But it wasn't a true 12 lead. And, you know, I had to go back and do a 12 lead course and then obviously with med school. But it was still one of those things. It's like you have to remember not everybody has the same training. Sure. And, you know, by nature, we don't want to point out our weaknesses. So you have to be you have to appreciate that right and you have to know how to you know navigate those waters to tr- to help educate someone without offending them or belittling the expertise
0: and experience that they have sure and then you know with that specifically that case you also you can move towards when you're trying to focus and refine your assessment we now have the ability to transmit Oh, God, yes. EKGs, which I believe is a great thing because you have more experience and specialized eyes on that where we didn't have that. You know, we're now able to alert the STEMI team and everything mm-hmm. else. Those are great advances. And they also lend themselves to a better assessment, in my opinion, mm-hmm. which is true, which is true. Um, the other
1: thing, though, that's interesting is I've seen the opposite occur where one of the receiving emergency departments said, oh no, this isn't what was going on, but I have one particular paramedic who's one of my paramedic crew chiefs. Oh, he he could put a cardiologist to shame. I mean, he could keep up with them. Yeah. And, you know, he sat there and argued with the doc and I was like, okay, fine, whatever. And then we got the feedback from the case. And I was like, oh, look, they did go to the cath lab.
0: I was right. See, I mean, and that's, and that again, put your ego aside right I mean there's so many egos involved oh yeah let's put your ego aside and like we said you know listen to the patient they're trying to tell you what's wrong without question without question so you know there there are so many different ways of looking at assessment and listen paramedics EMTs, many of them have their own way of doing it you know you kind of figure out what works for you when you go which is not the wrong thing no but Making sure that you do it the same way all the time is something that is really important. Right. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about that and, and you know, some of the, the tricks of the trade of how that can be accomplished better.
1: I mean that just comes with experience yeah. and what you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times I've seen patient or not patients but providers who You know, if I have a patient who is supine, I start by doing this. I start at the feet and I work my way up. This way, I'm having the person constantly look straight at me. And if there's an injury anywhere else, they're not moving their head or whatever. Yes. I've had other providers, you know, say, hey, if they're sitting down, you know, it's probably a medical call for the vast majority of the time. So I'm just going to go in and I'm going to listen to the heart and lungs real quick while, you know, I'm approaching them going, hi, how are you? And getting my mental assessment done. But whatever they do, they always do it the same way every time. And it's based off of what their personal comfort is.
0: So let's talk about the blinders that sometimes go on when you treat an acute problem Mm -hmm. and then forget or don't continue down the pathway. What happens in that situation?
1: Uh, early closure is what it's called. Early it? closure. I and, like it. And unfortunately, it can cause a lot of problems. Sure. I mean, for example, you know, the hypoglycemic patient. That's a good example of early closure. It's like, oh, well, I just give them a little bit of sugar and they're fine. Right. Well, but if you don't investigate why their blood sugar dropped, mm-hmm. you can get into problems. It's like, oh, What's one of the natural responses for stress in our body? Is to use our insulin, or to use our glucose. Huh, so is the person septic? Does the person have an infection somewhere? Is the person having a STEMI? I actually have seen a STEMI present as hypoglycemia before. It was wild. You know, is this an alcoholic that has no glucose stores? Or is it someone who's just a little bit confused, has something else going on, and they took twice the amount of their medication than what they were supposed to? But if you just go in and correct the acute problem, and say, oh, I'm done and wash your hands of it without doing those few other little steps to figure out, oh, what caused this? That's when it can come back and, you know, bite you in the backside.
0: Yeah, I I think that, uh, you know, experience goes a very long way with assessment, but knowledge is so important too, to continue to study and understand that you're going to learn something new every day, Mm -hmm. but really continue to keep yourself current. You know, I mean, you know, I think that that plays itself into a lot of dinosaur medics like, you know, you speak about, Mm -hmm. right? You've done this for a hot minute. I know how to do everything, Mm -hmm. but do you really know how to do everything? No, no.
1: So I was fortunate. Um, My grandfather was a professor at a university and he had a saying that he ingrained in me. Mm -hmm. He goes, the day that I stop learning is the day that I die. And it is so true.
0: It, it really is. And, you know, there are so many different ways to skin a cat. But mm-hmm. ultimately, Doc, it comes down to experience, it comes down to what works, and it comes down to the help through literature and through physicians and everybody else. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, as we wind this down, I'm just wondering just a couple of pearls from you as to as we move forward with this for the provider. What are you looking for as a physician, even on the console, when, we, when on medical direction or whatever else? What are you looking for? What do you want to hear?
1: So obviously, I want to hear you know, a good, thorough assessment. The one thing that always burns my backside is when I have a provider calling in going, hey, doc, I need orders for this. And the first question I always ask, are they allergic to anything? And then you hear in the background, hey, hey, <laughs> are you allergic to anything? It's like, wait a second. If you're going to administer a medication, you should know that up front. It's the first thing. But you'd be surprised how often I hear that. Sure. Um, You know, so that's number one is to make sure you have all the information. Uh, Another thing that's, you know, I found to be very useful is, you know, even though you might run on someone constantly and they're a member of the EMS loyalty club, you got to be careful because I've had those patients bite me in the backside before and burn others as well, where, you know, what, they get sick as well. And just because, you know, you're running on them for the 10th time this month or the 10th time this week, you know what? You still have to do your standard methodical assessment where you need to listen to the patient and make sure that if something's going on, you don't close early in what you think's going on.
0: Absolutely, Doc, and I think that also comes down to that inherent burnout that all of us have in emergency services where you're used to this, this is a frequent flyer, and this is the same crap and everything mm-hmm. else, but like you said, that can easily burn you on any point. So treat that patient the same way you would as yeah. it was the first time you actually experienced that Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Doc, many thanks for discussing this topic with us. I'm really, uh, it's been a great uh, pleasure to have you here. Um, You know, like we said, there's so many different ways to assess, but there's always better ways and and there's always ways to improve the way you look at things and the way you look at patients. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing those uh, pearls with us today. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to episode two live from the expo floor. Stay tuned. As we said, we are rolling out 13 podcasts over the next three days. I'm your host, Mike McCabe. Thanks for tuning in. This has been an episode of EMS World Podcast. You can find this audio and more like it on the podcast page of emsworld.com. You can also follow EMS World on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.